Welcome to a Football Friday edition of the Goal Line Stand of Football All the Time, a Sports Talk Philly partner, as uh, presented as always, uh, coming from the Michael's Glass Company studio. Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. Uh, follow us on social media, at GL Stand Show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am Michael Lipinski, joined, as always, by Brett Halpern. And you just said to me, yeah, there's really nothing going on, no breaking news. Jason Peters, done for the year, probably, <clears throat> done, probably done for his career. Having surgery on his foot. See you later. Adios. Goodbye. And good night. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about that. That is, um, I would say it's a well, it's a big loss because he's a big man. Um, I, you know, he, he really was kind of a shell of himself this year, which, um, you know, I thought that's why you should probably bring in a guard at the time as opposed to bringing in a converted tackle. He did then swing out the left tackle. He just he wasn't the same. This was kind of one of those years I think that will almost detract from his Hall of Fame uh, resume. He's still going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I do wish him well, but I, I agree. It's time to hang it up. Uh, it's it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah, he's done. I mean, it's probably his career at this point. There's no reason for him to come back. That's the big news uh, from the breaking news aspect. Yeah. But you have to ask me. I, I need to determine whether or not what, you're, you're crazy. Are you nuts here? Yeah, that is true. I mean, we, we've, I think we've established that there's a, both of us have a certain element of craziness to us, but you know, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, or at least my, my thought is, I think you can make an argument for six different NFC teams to reach the Super Bowl. You think I'm crazy for that? Well, give me your six choices, and I can kind of, we can kind of go from okay. there. I mean, because my my first look, thought if was you're, if you're in, if you're yeah. in, I, I'd argue no, you're not crazy. It's eight. Because yeah. Once you get in the dance, anything can happen. But who who are you specifically uh, referring to? Okay, so we have Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, the Rams, the Cardinals. There's one. Hold on. Hold on. And the Giants. Are, yeah, and the Giants. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, you are crazy because it's four, not six. Uh, stop with the Cardinals oh. and, and the Giants. Six is not the Giants. Six was Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're definitely – you are crazy. So, your, your first four, uh, not in order. Seattle, New Orleans, yes. Green Bay, yes. Uh, the Rams playing really – the Rams getting hot at the right time. Well, yeah. the Rams are an every other week team. The Cardinals are like an every three week team, and Tampa Bay. It's kind of I, that's what I. So I agree with you. Any team that makes the playoffs, yes, you could talk about them reaching the Super Bowl. The Giants and the Redskins. Whoever wins the NFC East is not going. I actually would tell you. I think the Giants have a better chance to win a game as compared to the Redskins though the Redskins have a better chance to win the division. Having said that, I just think it's amazing that at this stage of the season, there's no clear-cut run of what – because the Packers, depending on who they match up against, might get blown out. The NFC is wide I don't open. know. 
I, I don't know about that. Who who's going to blow out the Packers? You're you're you're. Uh, you, can you just admit that you've been riding the Packers the whole season? I have. I, I, More I, I, than I've, I've ridden the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Well, I said at the beginning, I said, "Oh, we got the." I, I mean, this has been yeah, the Aaron Rodgers revenge story. You said Aaron Rodgers revenge story. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and I'm riding him on my fantasy team too. So. And Devontae had him, so I'm paying more attention to it than yeah. than than most. But yeah, who who's going to blow them out? Tampa Bay already did. Yeah, it was one of those weird, you know. They, but that's the NFC. That's what I'm saying. That's the NFC. Yeah. Okay. Didn't the Vikings beat them? No, they beat them, but it didn't. The, Red, didn't saying, Washington the Vikings beat, might end up in the playoffs. Washington beat an undefeated Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh sucks. Which we talked about, on the yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The NFC, uh, it's not wide. It's not wide open in a traditional sense, but it's it's definitely there's more uh, there's more paths to victory, so to speak, for multiple teams. There, I don't know. Does that make sense? Sort of. No, I, I understand you. So it's <laughs> it's okay. And but yeah, it's, of, to me, it's. I I think there could be what is it eight teams in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I would say outside of the the Giants or Washington, whoever gets in from the East, I think the Giants do have a better chance of winning a game. Um, anyone can really make a run. Yeah, ex- I mean, like except for whoever gets the seventh seed, so like the Vikings or the Nine. But look, the Niners can back their way in. It could, well, it's a little tougher now, but let's say the Niners, by the time the playoffs come, if somehow the Niners are in it, it's Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are back. I don't know yeah. if I'd want to necessarily play them. No, that's true. So, yeah, you're only partially crazy. Okay. Uh, second one. Andy Reid retires if Kansas City wins this year, and he gives the team to Eric Bieniemy. Oh. Mm. You're not completely crazy there. I, I don't know. Uh, breaking, by the way, breaking the hearts of Titans, or excuse me, Texans fans and Jets fans. Yeah, um, that's in, that's interesting. There was always the talk in Philadelphia of Andy Reid would ultimately go up into the office. Yeah. Right? Like he would step away from coaching. Uh, I don't remember who the, the hot rumor was taking over in Philadelphia. And this was obviously like 2006, 2007, 2008, right up to that run. It was like, all right, is Andy done as a coach? He's going to move to the office, and who who's going to take over as the as the coach? Yeah, interesting, interesting. I don't think you're completely crazy. I don't know that he's ready to step away, but you win two Super Bowls, and doing what you did in Philadelphia. What else do you have to prove? He doesn't have to prove anything as it is. My only thought is, if you you have Patrick Mahomes and you're going to have all those guys coming back, do what no one's ever – if you win the second, the only thing that would bring me back is the thought of potentially winning three in a row, which has never been done. And you and and, and, and going they, for the three-beat. And they're perfectly capable of yeah, doing you, it. Yeah, you have so. your guy for the next 10 years. But, yeah. you know, if, if – but then, it, it, you know, to me, because I think Andy Reid has a great affinity for that franchise. I think he has a wonderful relationship with the Hunt family, with the GM. You wonder if there's been talks about, and, and he has a great relationship with 
with the enemy talks about him just saying, hey, just stay here. Because if I'm the enemy, I mean, really, that's your best job. Uh, yeah, if you're Eric Bieniemy, and he deserves probably a, be- a bigger look as a, as a head coach, I'm still of the opinion that he needed to go to college to prove himself. And that's not because I don't think he's good. I think that's just that's how the NFL works, and it's and it's probably bullshit. It's just like Deuce Staley, you know. Deuce Staley probably has to go to somewhere else, some college, and and prove himself. You well, know, he, here's the only problem with that argument, Matt Nagy was in the same position as Biennemi and got a head coaching job. So if Matt Nagy does, why doesn't Eric Biennemi get a chance? Well, when, why? when Eric Biennemi was part of a team that actually won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, there's obviously the the the, the obvious reason that people will point to is the color of his skin. I don't know. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. Maybe yeah. I, I'm a 38-year-old white guy. I don't know. what You know. I think he's a good coach. I, it's clear that he's well respected. He should have a job. He should have yeah. a head coaching job. I, yeah. You know, uh, to me, this is it's going to be interesting. Maybe Doug Peterson steps away and uh, Eric Look, I, I, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I want nothing. I want nothing to do with Philadelphia. I stay far if away. I'm, if I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm looking at the field and I say, "Look, if we win a second Super Bowl here and Andy Reid might leave, I don't want. I'd rather stay here." As opposed to even going to New York and working with Trevor Lawrence. Oh, absolutely. Trevor Lawrence might be a great prospect and the best prospect to come out in 20 years. I'm working with the best known quantity. Right. Or that in, you know, for quarterback in the past 40 years. So that's interesting. That's an interesting scenario. And the Chiefs, similar to the Steelers. They always seem to have like a secession, a secession plan of some sort. Like you, you yeah. know, there, there's never really been in our lifetime. We got Marty Schottenheimer, but Dick Vermeil was there, right? Um, they had um, the guy who was then in uh, the offensive coordinator for Arizona, and then we went to Pittsburgh. He led him to a playoff appearance. Why am I forgetting his name? I want to say Dick LeBeau, but that's not. No, right. it's not Dick LeBeau. Um, hold on. I'm, 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 I'll do the looking up while we're talking. The the thing the thing with Kansas City, like Pittsburgh, to me, has always been an organization that has Todd Haley. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Todd Haley and Herm, who did. Oh nothing. yeah. Oh wow. That yeah, that didn't go well. That didn't yeah. go well there. I forgot about Herm being there. All yeah. right. So my point my point just kind of got blown up in my face. So give me. Outside of Andy Reid, Andy Reid's been there. What? Jesus, almost ten years now. Uh, let's um, let me go back to that. Because Andy Reid left Philadelphia after the what? Twenty ten? The twenty seven years. Okay. Wow. So Andy. Okay. So Andy Reid's been there seven years. Who did he take over for? I didn't. I totally forgot. Romeo Cornell was the head coach there for two years. All right, so they just did, so this whole thing just destroyed my point that Kansas City has a plan. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think around that time, that's when with Rome, you know, they were drafting first and they drafted uh, Eric Fisher. So I agree. I think when times are good, it's it's a steady franchise, and, and that comes from ownership. I mean, it's it's literally been one family that has owned that team since its existence. So. I, I think you 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 were partially right. It's just, I mean they had a weird little stretch there where they, they after Vermeil where they didn't have success. 
but her I, I could see it. Yeah. You're not you're not completely crazy. I could see where it works because if you're Eric Bieniemy, like really, where what are the other what are the other options for you right now? We kind of we talked about the Jets. Yeah, maybe you don't know what you're getting there. Houston, you have an idea. Houston, you have an idea, and you have a quarterback there that you can work with, right? You know what you're getting there. That's because that's the biggest thing is the quarterback. You you don't want a scenario where you're going in and you have to deal with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. Well, no. So it, in Houston, you're getting Deshaun Watson, which, I mean, you know, we've talked about in anyone's circle of best quarterbacks, he's in the, at worst, the top five, right? I mean, he is a tremendous talent uh, you know, in his own right. With the Jets, you're getting you're getting Trevor Lawrence. So you get to work with the best prospect in perhaps this whole entire generation. Uh, you have Detroit, who's going to need I, – I believe they're going to need a quarterback. So, But you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to get Justin Fields because you don't have the second pick. He's going to Jacksonville. So, I mean, you want to run with Zach Wilson from BYU or Trey Lance, North Dakota State, or Kyle Trask from Florida? It's That's dicier. Then you have the Bears. It's kind of the same situation. Whoever the co- coach is, the discussion is going to be, yeah, I'm not – those guys are – if these are – if you're asking me to coach with one of those two guys as my quarterback, I'm not coming here. So they're going to get a new guy. Now, in this, you know, there's also going to be discussions, you know, is it going to be, are, are we trading for Sam Darnold? Are we trading for Dwayne Haskins? Are we trading for Carson Wentz? So You, you just told me you can't trade for Carson Wentz. It's too much money. Very difficult. People now are making the argument. Again, that's why, I, and I'm telling you and I'm telling our audience, I'm going to salary cap school in the off season. You know, I didn't have enough time between Wednesday and today. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. No, it's it's going to be interesting. So, no, I don't think you are completely crazy. It's going to be a it's going to be something to watch in the off season. Yeah, and I, I, to me, I love that because it's just more it's more stuff for us to talk about. Uh, I agree. Speaking of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's talk Philadelphia Eagles, New Orleans Saints. The Saints roll. The Saints come marching into Philadelphia, and uh, they're probably going to march right back out with a victory. No Drew Brees for the Saints. A uh, quick look at Eagles Saints history. Eagles lead the series all time, seventeen to fifteen. No ties. Uh, however, the Saints have won the last two. Uh, they have won four out of the last five. It's actually, I mean, wow, yeah. The, the Saints have really had the Eagles number as of late. Uh, Eagles snuck in a couple wins here and there, 2007, uh, 2015. But when it matters the most in recent years, yeah, not so much. Everyone remembers, obviously, the, the interception in the playoff game. That cost the Eagles a chance to go back to the NFC Championship game uh, and a potentially a spot at Super Bowl 53. Uh, a couple things that stand out for me, Eagles Saints wise, 1992 was the Eagles' first playoff victory uh, in in almost I think 12 years at that point yeah. when the Eagles went into the uh, into the dome and Reggie White just had had himself a game that would have been on January 3rd, 1992. There was a safety. The Eagles defense just came up, to, just came to play. You really thought. Wow, this team might have an opportunity 
to to do something. And, and then I believe they got spanked by Dallas next week. Well, Randall was hurt that year. Yeah, that was the weird. It was. A, I I I think that was a Jim McMahon. Let me take a look. I think there was a Jim McMahon led team in that game. I I, I think. Like, either way, I feel like while you're looking that up, to me, I I, I definitely no, remember no. That. So yeah, Randall 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 played. Uh, oh, Randall played. Yeah, fifty-seven yard pass from Randall oh. to Fred Barnett. Roger Ruzik with the kick. Uh, Morton Anderson with a couple field goals. Eagles traded field goals in the third quarter. What was the final and score? The final score was thirty-six twenty. Yeah, I, I remember it being like a high score, and then you guys had to go to Dallas. Yeah, the Nate Eagles went to Dallas. Uh, Reggie White with a big safety uh, in the fourth quarter, nine twenty-one to go. Put it makes it a ten-point game, and New Orleans took the lead in the fourth quarter. And then Fred Barnett uh, scores a touchdown, makes it twenty to seventeen. New Orleans. Keith Sherman six-yard run, twenty-four twenty. Reggie White with a safety makes it twenty-six twenty. Roger Ruzek with a field goal. Makes it twenty nine, uh, yeah. Makes it twenty nine, twenty. Oh, and then that's right, the Eric Allen, the Eric Allen pick to seal that game. And I mean, that was the best defense in Eagles history in nineteen ninety three, yeah. and maybe one of the best in the history of the National Football League. They didn't win, so they don't always get the the recognition they deserve. Yeah, you have the the the. I, I it's not the Bush push, but Sheldon Brown laying out Reggie Bush. Yeah. Which great, great hit. Well, and then coming to to well, because so this game is in Philly, and then coming to you guys, there's the late year the divisional playoff, or excuse me, the the wild card loss you guys had. I just dropped the thing. Uh, yeah, it was it was in it was recently. It was a couple seasons yeah. ago. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was the Chip Kelly. I believe that was yeah, that, correct. Yeah, yeah. and. And and it was just you know it was the beginning of the end there. Look, it's not a it's not a to me it's not a rivalry game. It's a, it, it, this is what it is. It's a, there's a little bit of a history there, but yeah. the Saints have obviously been dominating as of recently. Fully expect them to dominate again uh, this Sunday, even with Taysom Hill as quarterback. We don't have to get into the X's and O's of it uh, from the if we don't want to because it's a little bit different this week, but. Look, the big story is Jalen Hurts. What are the Eagles going to do? Some of the things that have been said in the media by Doug Peterson have been absolutely maddening. Going on the record saying, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to do a better job of running the football to make things work for Jalen Hurts. There's rumors that Alshon Jeffrey all of a sudden is now not going to play. So that's going to leave the younger guys to get more reps. Like, what the hell's going on here? Like, suck. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And we've kind of touched on it on the on the wrap-up show, but now now we're here. Now we're talking about it. Hurt should be starting. The Eagles need to see what they have in them. But something is going on here. It is obvious as can be. Well, I mean, so two things that you just mentioned that sort of – not that you, what you're saying doesn't add up, what they said doesn't add up. So I'm glad that – Peterson has realized he needs to run the ball to help out his quarterback. Well, why didn't you do that with your star quarterback in Carson Wentz? Secondly, we all kind of know Alshon Jeffrey is the guy who planted those stories in the media, right? 
And we all yeah, know he's the one who has an issue with Carson Wentz. So you'd think, okay, Carson Wentz is no longer playing. Let me get in there to help out the young kid. No, it's okay. Let the young guys play. Alshon Jeffrey's a weird guy. Well, he's, if you remember, Alshon Jeffrey didn't have the best reputation coming from Chicago. Yeah. There's a reason they wanted to get rid of him. I mean, he has talent. He had a reputation in college. Right. So the Eagles should have known what they were getting here. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Uh, if Jalen Hurts comes in and plays well, great. If Jalen Hurts, with the same banged-up line, same piss-poor play calling, does the same thing that Carson Wentz does, where are you? That's when I, – I look, I've been beating the drum all, all year long. Yes, the quarterback hasn't been playing well, Carson Wentz. This comes down to coaching, coaching, and more coaching. If all of a sudden they go, all right, we're going to run the ball 50 times and Miles Sanders gets tackled in the backfield and you throw that right out the window again, it's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter. This is, a Doug, this is on Doug Peterson this game. To, to win, to have some semblance of a normal football team. This is on Doug Peterson and whatever other schmuck is calling plays there. So a, f- a few things based upon what you said. So obviously, you know, like, like we established in the uh, the recap show on Wednesday, and then, you know, like you mentioned, you need to see what Jalen Hurts has. The thing is, if, if all of a sudden Doug Peterson turns into a – creates a run heavy offense. Are you really, it's not almost, it's really almost not a fair comparison between what Jalen Hurts is and what Carson Wentz is. To really see what Jalen Hurts is, you need to just continue whatever you were doing. Not saying that that was good, because I think it was flawed. But if you're now going to do a 65-35 run pass offense, you're not going to get a fair comparison of what is going on or, or what Jalen Hurts is as compared to Carson Wentz. Now, if you come out with the same run-pass ratio and, um, you know, Jalen Hurts does a lot better, well, then you got a quarterback controversy and you're going to have to make a decision. If Jalen Hurts isn't as good, you either – it just proves both coaching is off as well as the decision to get Jalen Hurts because you could have gotten another weapon or something to assist Carson Wentz, another lineman, another – I mean, I probably weren't going to get a receiver with that pick because you just drafted Jalen Rager. Yeah, but you could have. You could have, but you, you also could have gotten another lineman to create depth or even a running back because your running back room is I, – I, I still think it is, at worst, adequate. But it, it is thin. I was gonna say it's less than adequate. You have Miles Sanders, who is obviously Miles Sanders, but he has he has issues. He has fumbling issues that dates back to Penn State. He has issues catching the ball out of the backfield consistently. Again, dates back to Penn State. You have Corey Clement, who whatever you know, uh, good player. He's serviceable. Make, yeah, he makes plays here and there. I root for him, Glassboro kid. Yeah. I, you know, he's worth rooting for. You have Boston Scott, nice change of pace, little scat back. I like him. Yeah. You have Jordan Howard, but, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. It, it is what it is. You mentioned the, the, the elephant in the room. If Hertz doesn't work, this comes back to making that pick. 
again, Howie Roseman, hello. Howie Roseman was in the news this week uh, as Malcolm Jenkins returning with the Saints just absolutely blasted, not by name Howie Roseman, but the Eagles organization saying that they didn't, he thought that he was uh, a little bit disrespected by the way the whole thing went down. And he thought that maybe there was going to be a little bit more coming out of it. I guess it sounds like same thing happened to Brian Dawkins, this same thing. And I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're one in the same, but the, the Eagles let Brian Dawkins walk. The next guy that came in that replaced him that was successful was Malcolm Jenkins. So, you know, they're kind of intertwined there. Malcolm Jenkins is pissed off. I, I'm not saying that he'd be a, an all pro a pro bowler in this defense right now, but he certainly would be a leader in the locker room. We talked about this in the preseason show. I was very adamant about that. Like you're, you're letting this leadership leave. And Jason Peters at the time wasn't, wasn't signed. So you, you don't have leaders on your team. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, I, look, it, it is funny how history repeats itself in that, um, in that respect, uh, you know, I definitely think the team could use more leaders. Um, it, I, I, I know, I, I feel like I, it must come off like I'm always shitting on Fletcher Cox because Fletcher Cox is not the leader that Malcolm Jenkins was to this now, team. And you can look back at Eagles history. Who was the left? Certain, certain players, certain positions have roles. I, I, this is just in football in general. Uh, you know, you, you go back to like linebackers and safeties for whatever reason are, are like the leaders of the defense. That's not to say all the time. You know, Reggie White was the leader of the defense. But throughout history, you, you look at those guys, the Troy Palomalus, the Ed Reeds, the, the Ray Lewises, they all have a, a common common positions, not, not the line. Yeah. It, it's just, to me, that Malcolm's comments – are an indictment on the state of the organization and where they are currently. And look, Jim Schwartz went off. I think they said for, for it was like a hundred and uh, 521 word response on Malcolm Jenkins coming back as a saint and how much he loved Malcolm Jenkins. And it was almost like you read between the lines, you say, well, okay, there there's a right. There's a little bit of headbutting. If you would have asked Jim Schwartz, are you, do you regret not, you know, should they have signed them? Yes. It was almost the answer. Yeah. I mean, look, the one thing I'll say, and I'm not defending Howie Rosen, but if you look, and this goes back, you know, to the Joe Banner days, you know, the Eagles, I believe, have always kind of been the, the team that will, they'll get rid of someone a year early as opposed to a few years too late. And they always just, you know, they don't hang on to guys till the very end. They just don't. And I think sometimes it's actually, it's it's worked out for them. And I think probably the problem is at first it worked out. So that's going to set the the standard for moving forward. When did it work out? With um, Troy Vincent and and. Uh, but that was different. Rob you had Taylor. the you had the replacements. Well, yeah, I but where it didn't work out. Jeremiah Trotter didn't work out. You know yeah. when it worked out when you brought him back. You know again, a leader in the locker room. Yeah. How different is that whole you know thing? You know if you have certain guys that are that are still around, the Brian Dawkins thing. He was an All Pro. 
after leaving. Yeah. Does this locker room talk? This locker room is toxic right now. You know, the, the smells coming from South Philly are not just the refineries anymore. It's coming from Novacare complex is if Malcolm Jenkins is there is the, is the situation. I'm not saying wins and losses, but is it a, a different situation with the Philadelphia Eagles? I think to some extent there might be. Well, if it's not going to affect the wins and losses, then what's the difference? You can then just talk chalk it up to injuries, 2020, crazy, crazy bullshit. No, I get that. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Just, you know, um, it, it's, um, look, I agree. You know, I don't think the Saints even signed him for that much money. I think it was like a one-year deal. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it was, we want him to be our leader. We're going to bring him in. Real quick, I just, I think the Saints run the Eagles right out of the building. Thank God nobody's going to be there. But Taysom Hill's still the quarterback for New Orleans. Eh, benefits the Eagles' defense somewhat here. Yeah, I I would say in, in, in a semi-normal year, even given the Eagles' struggles, this is one of those weird games the Eagles wins. Um. I think it's closer than you think. Um, that I, I I think it's a combination of the Saints are going to look past them a little bit. Frankly, uh, I I still I am not a Taysom Hill guy. So I know he's had look they had success against the literally quarterbackless <laughs> Denver Broncos. I know they've had other wins in this stretch, and Hill is actually starting to get better and better throwing the ball, but. You know, to me, I still, I still worry about it. And just you know, if I was a Saints fan, I'm not thrilled with that offense right now. I still think they're going to beat the Eagles. You know, probably by seven, ten points. But I don't, I don't see it being a blowout. Uh, I have twenty-seven, fourteen Saints. Two words for you, Alvin Kamara. Well, it's, it's, he's a problem. He, he, is, he, he is a problem, but that, that's where we are. That's where we are on the Eagles. Before we move on to the first place, New York football giants, we got to talk to you about thrive fantasy and thrive fantasy.com thrive fantasy is our daily fantasy sports partner. You can check them out at, at thrive fantasy.com or download the app on Apple. So iTunes or Android, just put in thrive fantasy and download their app and you get some plays like this. Like, let's take a look at this thing coming up for the saints and the Eagles uh, QB of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen hurts over under 254 and a half total yards. That's passing and rushing combined. Over really that's okay. So you think he's going to? You, you think he's going to what? Throw for two hundred and ten, uh, rush for forty five? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like that'll be the mix. Miles Sanders over under fifty and a half total yard. Uh, to, so rushing yards, fifty and a half rushing yards. Over. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Jalen Rager thirty and a half total receiving yards. I, I go over there as well. I'm going to go under there. Really? You don't think that he has uh, such a, you don't think he has an impact. I mean, I think there's one or two plays. I don't think he's going to be a 10 catch guy, but 
but I think they, I think you see the, the Jalen Hurts Rager thing. They try to make that work a little bit. Yeah. Unless they, you know, it's like design runs with him or, or other things, you know, he's going to be, he's going to kind of, I feel like he's going to start to take the form of like a Debo Samuel for the uh, Eagles, even though he's smaller. Um, no, I, I kind of, I feel like Hurts will spread it around to the tight ends. And I think Fulgham will have a better day than uh, the recent weeks. That's that's my thoughts. A couple of the Saints plays here over under 259 and a half total yards. That's passing and rushing for Taysom Hill. I'm going to take the over there. Yeah, I'm taking the over. If it was just passing yards, I might take the under. Michael Thomas, 72 and a half total receiving yards. You know, Given the scenario, I take the over, but he hasn't played all that well. I'm going under. Have, yeah, he doesn't have the quarterback. Taysom Hill's just not. Yeah, they're winning games, but they're not winning games by Drew Brees putting up you know a ton of points. Yeah, I'm going uh, under. Now this one's an interesting one: thirty and a half total yards over under for Emmanuel Sanders. I- I'm actually going to go with the under there, although this would be the game where Emmanuel Sanders breaks out for the season because that's just how it works. I'm going over for that. Uh, he's been a real disappointment. We talked him up in the preview back on our, if you go back onto the YouTube and I, I just, maybe it's not a good fit for him because he's a good player. Well, I think it's a combination of a few things. So you had Michael Thomas out for all the, we, we said all throughout the all season, he's going to be a great Robin. He's not Batman. And so Michael Thomas was out. He was expected to be Batman and not Robin. Now Michael Thomas is back and Drew Brees is out. So I don't, you know, when is it going to work out? Probably in the playoffs. So he had a few good games in there. Like he had, he had one game where he had like 13 catches. Yeah, but you're right. You, we did say that. Let's move on to the old school NFC East rivalry. That is the Cardinals and the Giants. Uh, Cardinals come out to the Meadowlands, 1 o'clock Eastern time on Fox, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, it's 1 o'clock. So, so this is one of those games. There's got to be a lot of historical to this because yeah, when the Cardinals were in St. Louis and then in Phoenix, they were obviously a rival in the NFC East. So let, let's get to it a little bit. So, th- I mean, this matchup dates back to 1926. So the, the Giants lead the series 80 wins 45 losses and there's two ties um since the cardinals franchise has moved to phoenix so whether they were the phoenix cardinals or the arizona cardinals giants lead the series 24 to 12 um the yeah so i mean this was throughout their obviously if you're 80 45 and 2 you've been dominating the series um notable games one before my uh, before either of us were born. So the Giants won the NFL championship in 1956. The Chicago Cardinals actually defeated them earlier in the season, and then the Giants defeated the Chicago Bears. The Bears beat the Cardinals to get to the NFL championship game, and the Giants then beat the Bears 47-7. Uh, the first time I saw the Cardinals play, <laughs> I'm sorry, random memories, was 1989. And it was O.J. Anderson then was the starting running back for the Giants, and he went crazy um, had a huge day. The other reason I remember that game, I went with – 
it was actually one of the few games where my mother went and the Giants won. But my parents both went. I had lice. And okay. So <laughs> my parents spent the game combing through my massive Jufro, getting out the dead eggs while I'm sitting there watching the game. And people were like moving away from us. Like, the, and this is back in the day with all the set people who had literally the people who watched my father grow up. People Was Marvin there? Marvin, uh, Myron. Myron, sorry. Yeah, Myron, Myron was there. Uh, you know, the guy in front of I just yeah, I, I I've seen these people all my lives. I don't even know their names. Yeah, um, honestly. It, did you ever find out the guy's name? Was it Myron? Or what was well, yeah, name? we figured we found out Myron was Bob. So okay, oh, so God. so as as people listen, you know, so I'm I'm a season ticket holder. The the tickets have been in my family since 1946. Uh, so they started in the Polo Grounds and Yankee Stadium, Yale Bowl, Shea, Giant Stadium, MetLife. And what's really cool is they've kept people together. So, and, and Mike has seen this because Mike's come. But there was one guy who he's just he's just like an, a normal looking guy, right? I and mean, there's nothing you know weird about yeah, him. No, he's just a dude. Yeah. So he sits for unfortunately, I think he's he's passed away. Because I haven't seen him in the last few years, and the last time I saw him, he looked bad, and he was he was walking with a cane. Um, nevertheless, he would always have the best key. He was the guy who showed up with the leather jacket, with like the Super Bowl emblems and everything, and he would spend the entire game standing up, looking back in the section for someone he knew further up in the nosebleeds, because we're in the upper section. And my father gave him the nickname Myron. And you used to yell, yo, Myron. And the guy never knew that we were yelling at him for 30 years. And my dad remembered him back in Yankee Stadium. So, yeah, you know, I mean, but people were just literally starting to spread away. So that was the lice game. Uh, 1990 was also a really big game because that game, Phil Sims went down with an injury. He would later get injured and have and be out for the rest of the season. But Jeff Hostetler came in. Brought the team back from nine down really late to win. That uh, was nineteen ninety. Yeah, that was the Super Bowl twenty five year. Oh my god! It seems. I, I what's scary is that seems like not that long ago is what I'm getting at because it, <laughs> you know like I remember. It, yeah, you remember. Yeah. Uh, so two thousand was this was the season opener. This was the debut. It was the debut of the return of the NY helmet. Uh, it was also the debut of the original Thunder and Lightning with Tiki Barber and Ron Dane. Both had touchdowns. Uh, and then there was an actual lightning strike. Uh, I was there with my father, our good friend Steve Berman. Wait, where was the lightning strike? The light. So there was a lightning delay, and the lightning hit. So you might you remember the old Giant Stadium had four on two on each side. Uh, light. Uh, excuse me. Light strips. Yeah, light right, strips. Right, yeah. yeah, light strips. Yeah. The lightning hit the light strips right above our seats. So, I was with my father, Steve Berman, and f- former teammate Brendan Borowski, who so at the time was what six six three hundred ten pounds. So, <laughs> we all went in, and because there was lightning kind of close by, and you could tell it was getting closer and closer. They called it before it hit the stadium. And so we, we used to call Brendan Guppy. 
He said, hey, Gump, you want to come inside? You know, it's, it's going to be light. Oh, I'm okay. We're fine. And then the lightning cracked. And it, you could, it was like 20 yards away from us. I never saw him run so fast in my entire life. Guaranteed better than any of his 40 times. Uh, but so, yeah, so that, that was the debut. That's 2000. That was so they go on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was our, C- our senior year. And you would think a lightning strike, the first hitting the, hitting the building. That's a the bad first, luck thing. That's yeah. a bad luck thing, but I no, guess not. But yeah, and um, that was, I guess that was also the first and only time I ever saw no, nah, not the only time, but that was the last time I ever saw Pat Tillman play. Um, and oh, then the wow. last, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he missed, he, he badly missed the tackle on a Tiki Barber 78 yard touchdown run. And trust me, I'd rather Pat Tillman tackle, uh, tackle Tiki Barber. It was a far better man. Uh, and then the last game I remembered was 2005. It was the home opener. It was on nine, it was on 9 11. Speaking of Pat Tillman, that's kind of. Uh, it was the debut of Plaxico Burris and Antonio Pierce. Um, and the Giants soundly defeated the Cardinals. They had both a kick return and punt return for a touchdown. Punt return was by Chad Morton, who was randomly on the Giants that year. Good old Chad Morton. Yeah. So, uh, let's, yeah, sorry. I know a lot of random stuff there. Let's get to this game. So, yeah. Daniel Jones, in or out? I got to tell you, I. I'm leaning towards out now. I'm like, so here's a, the, the Joe Judge. Really like him. He definitely is a Bill Belichick guy because you never know where it stands with guys with injuries. He, he's definitely of that ilk. The thing, so reading between the you know reading the tea leaves or whatever that phrase is, I haven't heard of much of I haven't heard much of Daniel Jones getting team work. He's been getting a lot of individual drills. That to me is not a good sign for playing. Um, and I I wonder if they're like, look, if there's any chance, if resting him another week will guarantee he's not going to re-injure it, then maybe you do that. But I got to tell you, I mean, particularly with Washington playing San Francisco, and you just you never know. Washington, San Francisco is now literally just a a, a traveling team. They have no home. You gotta win this game. This is the biggest Giants game in four years. This is a must win for the New York it's, Giants. It's a must win. So to me, if he could go at all, I think he got but if he gets hurt and he's done the rest of the season, you know, if he's done for the next three weeks, your season's over anyway. I don't I think you gotta try to play him. I would dress him. I, I think you game, just can't have the design runs. Yeah. You know, you can't have design runs. That's well, that, that's part thing. of the that's part of the success here has been that element. Not that you do it, all, not that the Giants do it all the time, but he can do it. Yeah, but he and, and Paul Yeah, I know. I you're gonna play no, the video. No, 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 go, no, good. Go ahead. You're gonna wait till I don't know to piss me off. Okay, he's still a more competent thrower than Daniel Jones. Excuse me, he is Daniel Jones. He's a more confident thrower than Colt McCoy. Even if he is just solely a pocket quarterback. So it's inter- I mean, it's interesting. I I would think you you at least go with the deception of having him dress, right? I think he's got to dress. By the way, you know who officially is a New York Giant now? Joe Webb. I know that's very exciting. Uh yeah. 
So if there, the Giants ever get pushed to a Tuesday night, which oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a Joe Webb special with Joe, Joe Webb on the team. Yeah, that's got to be good luck um, for somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so to me, I, I think you, you got to try to play him, even if it means limiting his running. Um, you know, it's just I, I think it will really help out. And look, the Cardinals are susceptible to the run. If the Giants can replicate some of the success they had against the Seahawks with with respect to the run game, I think that'd be really nice. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I know I'm looking ahead a little bit. Devonta Freeman's going to be coming off IR next week. You know, do you do you want to? I mean, Alfred Morris and Wayne Gallman have been doing well, but neither guy is a home run hitter. Yeah, um, and and, and Devonta mean, Freeman is not. It's amazing where I'm shitting on Saquon. Saquon Barkley can has not proven to make some of the runs that Wayne Gallman and Alfred Mar. Saquon Barkley doesn't just hit a hole and give you those four or five dirty yards. He's always look, he's a thoroughbred. He likes open space. Uh, but Devonta Freeman runs in between the tackles. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I really, you know, I think the Giants need to you know, be able to put up 20, 24 points to win this game. So I'm hopeful Daniel Jones can play. You know, to me, the, the my biggest worry is Cardinals offense. And I know Kyler Murray is not playing the way he was. I think he's – I actually think he's a little hurt. So I've not been the biggest Kyler Murray fan because uh, there's been a lot of comparisons for Kyler. I, Kyler Murray, uh, people – out there in the media world, compare him to to um, Patrick Mahomes. He's definitely not that. You know, you've heard Deshaun Watson. I don't. I don't even think he's that. He's to me because he's small. He's a small dude. Now I know Ryan, Russell Wilson. I know Russell Wilson's small, but R- Russell Wilson uh, is a little bit more of a, to me like a heady quarterback. He's like, more cerebral. I think yeah. he's. A, I. He's he's close. He's. He's closer to Russell Wilson than he is Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I think that's actually the best comparison. Okay, that's but, fair. But I don't think that the Cardinals' offense, this the 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 way uh, the running shoot, whatever they air raid, air raid. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it puts him him being um, Kyler Murray in the best position sometimes for the size of the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of running from from him in this offense, and sometimes that for for someone like his, he's not big. He's just not. He, yeah. he get beat up a little bit. No, he he definitely does. He also look, you know, compare with the, the the Baltimore Ravens. He doesn't. He's not working with the same level of offensive line. So there's that. You know, look, the Giants defense. I've been really impressed with them. They've played hard all season. You know, as I've said, as I said last week, or actually during the recap show on Wednesday, it's nice to see the light bulb click for some of the younger guys. Um, You know, but as I talked about now for like the last two weeks with the giants, with their edge rush presence, whether it's defensive ends or particularly outside linebackers, you're now doing it with six round picks, seventh round picks and undrafted free agents out of Dartmouth. Um, and the athleticism that they have as compared with the guys who started 
I worry about Kyler Murray kind of running wild, whether that's just moving the pocket to throw the ball, extending plays, or just running the ball. So I, I just generally think he's going to be a little too athletic for the Giants' defense. But I do have faith in, in uh, our defensive coordinator, our coaching staff, it, but it's a tough matchup. Uh, I mean, you know, look, DeAndre Hopkins is great. He's going to get his seven, eight balls. I think you have to just shut out the rest of the offense, frankly. And you got to minimize any running game from the running backs. Um, but this is going to be a very close game. Either that's the way I see it. I, the Cardinals, they're playing for their playoff lives. The Giants are as well. I, I just, I don't know. I, I like the Giants coaching better than the Cardinals coaching. I just fear that there's too many blue chippers that the Cardinals can throw out there that the Giants just don't have. And they're just limited athletically, I feel like. Uh, so I'm going like 24-20 Cardinals. I, 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 can, I can toe the line with you there. I see, I see what you're saying, and I, I would agree. There's more athleticism on one side and I've been high on the Giants defense. I think they're tough. Yeah. I think they play, I play a brand of football that, that I enjoy. Uh, Joe judge. It's clearly, it's that, that mindset of, you know, dating back to, i uh, really, I guess the Giants, you know, if you go back from the Parcells tree and the Belichick and all that stuff yeah. really dates back to the eighties uh, under Belichick in, in New York and up, you know, obviously up in new England and so on and so forth. Uh, I agree with you. One too many weapons for for the Cardinals. This might be a game where you put Jabril Peppers at linebacker and you let him spy Kyler Murray. You know that you know, and, which he did in Michigan. But you know, speaking of Joe Judge, another thing that you know has come out uh, a story which I really like. So for the guys on the scout team who he deems to have done a good job, he honors them by allowing them to play with jerseys of members of the New York Giants ring of honor. And he only does that after he gives them a speech on what that player did for the Giants. So like he's really dialed into the history of the franchise, which I, I really respect. I, I, I do like that. That's that. That's cool. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. There was like I, a I picture of a guy who um, one of the quarterbacks or, or one of the halfbacks who's running around in a Frank Gifford jersey. Now, let me ask you a question. Was it like a Mitchell and Ness Frank Gifford jersey, or was it just the no, number? No, no, no. It was just the number. It was not the old cotton long sleeve jersey. Uh, you got to kind of go the extra mile there and put him in the, uh, you know, the throwback. Now, if you want to have the guy give a great look for practice squad, I wouldn't want to weigh him down with a full <laughs> long sleeve cotton jersey. So that's why Rutgers lost a year ago with the, the long sleeve jersey to wave them down. <laughs> I would think it was more having to do with the coaching staff. Yes, Captain Cargo Pants. So yes. now we both we both agree here on, on this one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's gonna be a good game though. I, I really yeah, do. Yeah, it, it's a close game. It's a one score game. And you know, at the end of the day, one score games, they you know, they could bounce your way. Let's take a look at a couple props from our friends there at Thrive Fantasy on this one. Only a few. Uh, this is in the touchdowns. So 20 bucks uh, for the week 14 touchdowns only. Uh, a total payout of $2,500 here in this prize pool. A $20 entry fee. So Kenyon Drake over under a half 
rushing touchdowns. Under. Evan Ingram, over under a half receiving touchdowns. I'm going to go under with that guy. I'm going under. Freaking, freaking guy. Uh, Going to kill me on fantasy again. Uh, Yeah. You know, anyway. On that note, let's get to two that we're watching this week at college and the pros. Oh, yeah. Randy Savage, thank you very much. I'm going to start this one, and we're going to start in the collegiate ranks, and this is my favorite weekend of the year, and it is because it is Army-Navy, and it is the greatest rivalry in college football. I don't care what anybody says. You have 100 guys on, on this football field that play the, the, you know, they, they signed up for something that most of us don't sign up for and they know it. And yes, they get to go play college football, but they, they know what's going to go. They know what's going to happen when that is done and over with. Uh, I, unfortunately, they're going to go into conflict. Some of them may or may not come back. It is just traditionally, these two teams could be 0 and 10 and it's just a, it, it's just a tough game. It's just a great rivalry game. It's the triple option. It's fun. It, you can see these guys playing hard. You can see them playing with emotion. Uh, it means something for them. That's why it's my game of the week. A little weird. And it's been a Philadelphia tradition, too. So I guess that's part of it. Uh, I come from a Navy family. My grandfather, my father uh, were in the Navy. So it was a heavily important game. My grandfather, as a Philadelphia police officer, used to work the game. So it was this huge family event. This is going back into the 60s. Yeah. So it, it's always been very important for my family. Uh, I, I will be wearing my Navy stuff with pride. It's going to be different this year. It's not in Philadelphia because of COVID and the idiot mayor not allowing uh, a bunch of military guys to go into a stadium. So it's going to be up at the beautiful surroundings of Mikey Stadium in West Point, New York. A little different. Yeah. Um I, I had to – I share your sentiment. This is, um, this is frankly, my game of the week. It, it, is, uh, it, it is the best rivalry in all of college football um, for a lot of reasons. The, the grandeur of it, the, the glamour, the, the prestige. Um, you know, it, it, both of us were there for a Rutgers-Navy game. To, to see – what is it, the parade? What, what are the, the – what the midship? What what's the term? It's the parade of midshipmen. Yeah, so yeah. Now- it's so impressive, and, and the the class in which they do. I mean, the fact that they when they turned around and they wished Rutgers well, you know, tip the cap. Like it, it's just, you know, someone myself. I'm a neutral party, so to me, it's like I almost wish every game would end in a tie. I I never want anyone hurt. Uh, I have such respect for everyone on that field. Um, it is the one time I do wish that we were we lived in a different era because that's the the really amazing part when you look into the history of this rivalry. That up until perhaps the '60s, not only was this just a, a tremendous rivalry between our service academies uh, and these you know brave young men, but this was also a battle typically of two top five teams. The number of Heisman Trophy winners on both teams. The, the famous players from both teams. So, I mean, imagine if we were living in the 30s or the 40s, 50s, 60s, when this game actually had had an every year this game, um, the outcome of it 
had a definitive impact on the college football champion. So I, it just the, the the history. Then on top of it, you go to us with our craziness with our the uni matchups. Every year it's gorgeous. I mean, one year one team one team might outdo the other, but every year it's gorgeous. It doesn't I am, matter. I am very much a traditionalist, especially when it comes to both teams' uniforms. I think their traditional uniforms are perfect the way they are. Yeah, I do like the the what they've done. I guess it's probably over the past decade. With the special uniforms, I will tell you this year, Army's uniform is really, really cool. The, the, I the feel top. like they they try to one up each other, and they that's do. great too. Well, go back to like if you're watching the game on TV, yeah. the, you know the message from the troops that are are stationed elsewhere, and all the the vignettes that they do. It's yeah. so much. It's so much fun. And yeah. if you ever have an opportunity, this goes to anybody listening to go to an army navy game yeah go i have yeah. been to three of them and yeah. the first the first one i went to was was in veteran stadium uh it was actually when the when the the you the, went, when the, the, the thing fell right the thing fell yeah was yeah and, and but it was it was written uh uh man blanking on who wrote, wrote the book now but uh, uh john feinstein i believe wrote the book uh, civil war yeah. great book and it was detailed in that game uh, that game was detailed in that book I've been to two at Lincoln Financial Field, and the uh, the last one I went to, which is probably like five, six, seven, eight years ago, uh, I was I went for the whole experience. You know, everybody parading onto the field. You know, yeah. you're there. It's a long kickoff to three o'clock. This starts at ten a.m. and yeah. it's not tailgating. You're in a building, and yeah. it was just so cool. So much respect. Uh, I I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested in seeing what it looks like. Up at Army, you know, we've been. Have you yeah. have you been up there? I forget. No, we I there. haven't been. You went. I, yeah, you went. I went there when Ray Rice ran wild. Yeah, uh, tremendous environment. Just like a really, it's one of my favorite stadiums in in all of sport. And yeah. it's not a neutral field this time. Are they going to do it up? Is it going to look like a normal Army Navy game, or is it going to be arm? Is this going to be Navy coming into Army? It, it, there's so many yeah. different uh, little storylines with it. I, I do like that they're playing it at Mikey Stadium. You, you do wish that they'd be able to return the favor and play it at Navy, but obviously then you're missing out on an opportunity to bring out more of the public. Um, so, you know. I, but the it's one, not unprecedented. I mean, this no, is happening in time of war yeah. where they moved it from a neutral site to a home field. So yeah. it's not unprecedented. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Uh, Army, I believe, has the, is the favorite here. There's no line out that I see, but Army has been playing better than Navy. I, yeah. I kind of feel like the Ken uh, Mata Nialoma era is slowly going away there, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. I, I, I think, unfortunately, I think Army takes this one again, but you, you got to trade in sometime. The Navy won 15 in a row, 16 in a row. I'm the last thing I have to say on this uh, tremendous rivalry being that it's, you know, it's on the campus of, of uh, West point is there's a lot to like at Ike. There is a lot to like at Ike and a, Hey, go Navy beat army. Do you have right. a pro game? Yeah. On the pro side. Uh, so I'm actually looking forward to this. This is another, this is ESPN pulling off another decent Monday night game, Baltimore going into Cleveland. And we talked about, well, the real, I always like it because of the rivalry factor. 
of of the Ravens leaving, yeah. you know, of the yeah. Browns leaving to go to the Baltimore, uh, and now coming back as the Ravens. But these are two teams that right now have a lot to prove. What? Who are the Browns? Are the Browns the team that struggle against like mediocre teams and then go and just whoop up on Tennessee? Who are who are the Ravens? They're fighting for their playoff lives. This should make for a good game on Monday Night Football. Yeah, uh, so we're actually two for two. This was my game as well. And, and there's a lot of good games, by the way, on Sunday. I mean, Arizona Giants is an important one. Buffalo-Pittsburgh Sunday night. It's a really good Sunday night, Monday night slate. It's probably the best of the year. Uh, but, yeah, it's just something about AFC North you know, those Cleveland fans have been through a lot. And I it's a shame. This is one where you're like, I would have loved to have seen the fans at this game. Monday night, Cleveland. Well, I think they're going to have fans in the crowd. I think they have a limited Yeah, I, Yeah, but- I'd like to see the 70. I'd like to see it at full capacity. And even though they don't technically, there is one section that is the quote-unquote dog pound. It's not municipal stadium. Yeah, it's but, not I the mean, same. These fans have waited, you know, they haven't been to the playoffs since 02. It was the only time they've been to the playoffs in the this iteration of the franchise. The, you know, they're they're super close. This is a big game. Would have loved just but either way, this is a big game and, and you summed it up perfectly. Uh so I, I can't wait to see it. Looking forward to it. it it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, there would have been a packed house. There would have been a lot of lot of, there's hatred here. I think that's one of the from the Cleveland side, and rightfully yeah. so. Your team left, yeah, and won a bunch of. Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Oh so, yeah, I'd be angry too. Uh, but it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, too bad yeah. it's Monday night, and that crew is just awful. It's they're getting better. Do you, do you, I like Lewis Riddick, but he has a Randy Couture issue. That's the problem. Lewis Riddick is excellent, but he, he just his voice doesn't. Yeah, he's it's a softer voice, yep, or something. It just doesn't come through. Uh, Levy and Greasy, I don't need him, it's just not good. Yeah, give me Herbie. On that note, we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna wrap it up for the week. Uh, you can find us on all social media at GL Stand Show that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The links are in the bio. Uh, glstand.podomatic.net until the dot com comes over. Michael's Glass Company, serving Philadelphia in the tri-state area since 1978, 215-338-3293. And we are a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. Uh, I guess go Birds, uh, go Giants. Uh, you know, yeah. Yay. Okay. And, and, uh, and go Navy, beat Army. 